Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spa Strong Podcast. I'm Royal. I'm Melissa. And we have an amazing guest with us today. Who do we have, Melissa? Well, you know, first, we got to talk about if you love the Spa Strong Podcast, then subscribe, leave a review while you're listening to it. Take a picture and post it on your stories and tell your esthetician friends because we want to, we really want to reach all the estheticians out there to be able to spread our message. And so when you're leaving reviews on the actual apps, that helps us to get noticed by other estheticians. Thank you so much for everyone who has been leaving us reviews. We love you. We can't tell you how much the, um, the reviews that you leave, like help encourage us and motivate us to continue bringing you this great content. So we love you all. Okay. We have a great guest with us today. I'm super excited. Um, we have the pleasure of speaking with Shay Kasanovich. Shay is a licensed esthetician based in the Tampa, St. Petersburg, Florida area. She is a certified pool sculpting technician, certified ZO skin health expert, and an advanced hydrofacial technician. Shay, thank you so hey. much for being here. Hi. Hey guys, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. Awesome. Um, we have been wanting to have you on for a little while, um, but we were like so backed up with our episodes and everything. Yeah. And we were like, okay, we got to wait. So we're not like, we want to record an episode with you, but it'll air in three months. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we were so happy when you said you were willing to come on because we wanted to have you for a long time. Absolutely. Tell us about you. Yeah. Tell us how you got into this industry and what you're doing now and all of that good stuff. Sure. So my skin care journey has definitely kind of come full circle in a lot of ways. When I was 16 years old, I started working for um, a woman who owned a high-end spa in Winter Park, Florida. And I was her, you know, front desk girl and I would help, you know, do laundry and sweep up hair. And we had a full service spa and salon. Um, and then we had a storefront. So I kind of started just answering phones and doing, you know, kind of light work like that part time. Um, I worked for her from the age of 16 until I graduated UCF at the age of, I believe, 22 or 23. Um, so I had a lot of exposure to different product lines and, you know, interacting with reps and building your relationships with these product reps. and you know, getting educated and sitting in on trainings at a really young age. Um, while I was there, I was always interested um, mostly in the skincare room and what the esthetician was doing back there. And the owner herself was also an esthetician. So she'd always give me facials and I had really um, not terrible acne, but definitely just like consistent, ongoing acne, oily skin. So we were always doing peels and microderms and, you know, playing in the rooms back there. And I, that's, I think what kind of sparked my interest in doing this was just being exposed to it. Um, so when I graduated UCF, I graduated with my degree in criminal justice and that really wasn't the plan. Um, I went in with my degree being business management, but I could not for the life of me pass college algebra. <laughs> So much so that I lost my Bright Future scholarship because my GPA dropped so much. And I finally went to my advisor and I was like, listen, what major do you guys offer here that does not require college algebra? Because I had tutors and I take, you know, I didn't take it serious and I try to take it serious. I just couldn't 
get it. It wasn't clicking for me. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I finally said, listen, just get me out of here. I need to graduate. I'm going on my fifth year. You know, what can, what do you have? And she's like, well, I have criminal justice and like some other, you know, like one other major that didn't require this math. So it's like, all right, well just switch me over to criminal justice. So I graduated with a criminal justice degree. Um, and two weeks after I graduated, I actually moved to Dallas, Texas. Yay. And um, I started working for a law firm there as a bankruptcy coordinator, um, just to basically just have a job. Because um, I moved out there only knowing one person. So it was kind of like, who's hiring? Who can get me in? And that's what fell into place. Yeah. Gotcha. So still not doing anything with skincare at that point. Um, fast forward two years later, I moved back to Florida and my mom's like, listen, you know, I paid to put you through college. You have this degree in criminal justice. Like you need to do something with your degree. So I, um, she knew someone that was working for the state of Florida and that was hiring for, um, a part-time position as an investigator with the department of business and professional regulation. So it fell in line with my degree and I looked into it and I was like, okay, I can do this. And um, I got the job and I was specifically hired for a section of their department that specifically handled unlicensed activity. So what I would do is I would basically go onto Craigslist, look in, you know, like the flyers that you get in the mail or the flyers that you pick up from the grocery store. Um, I would go on Facebook, any kind of outlet where people were advertising services and I would check out and see who was licensed or not. And now this department basically was the licensing regulation department for the state of Florida. So any professional, um, job here in Florida that requires a state license, like cosmetologists, estheticians, nail techs but also construction workers, auctioneers, veterinarians, amongst many, many other professions. Mm -hmm. Um, But cosmetologists and estheticians and nail techs just happen to also fall in this. So that kind of takes me to, you know, another section of this journey where I'm still involved in skincare, but just on a different level. So I would basically seek out or just you know, find people that were advertising to do um, professional professional services requiring a license that didn't have a license. I would set up, um, you know, phone calls or meetings with them or appointments with them, even going as far as going to their house or their trailer or wherever they were doing, you know, services from that they weren't allowed to. And uh, I would then serve them with a cease and desist and um, create a whole report up for the state attorney's office, send that off, and then just create um, a file for them. And um, I also participated in spa inspections as well. So we'd go into random barber shops or random spas um, and basically kind of just do a sweep, go in, check everyone's license, make sure that they're licensed and make sure that they're implementing um, safety and uh, sanitary guidelines, um, and that they're working out of a place that's acceptable and safe for the uh, community. I love that. Oh, yeah. So, well, I guess, and then from there, I should say, I 
realized that this was a lot of paperwork <laughs> and actually a lot of really shady kind of dangerous situations because a lot of these people that don't have licenses um unfortunately there are some people that don't have licenses that really did great work it just they didn't have the time or the money to go to school to get licensed so unfortunately there's some people that were just so talented but not doing things the proper way or the legal way mm -hmm. um but most people um really weren't the greatest uh people a lot of them had uh you know kind of a criminal background so there was definitely some situations where we were put in that weren't the safest um and we were never really escorted by police officers um sometimes the state or county you know building inspectors would help us out if we needed some backup um but it was a very like one-on-one -on -one kind of job and it was a little intimidating for sure and at that time again I was like 25 so it was definitely you know a little more intimidating for me then than it maybe it would be now and so I just decided you know I'm going into all these spas and I'm realizing that that's what I really want to do and <laughs> I'm being exposed to it just on the other end yeah so and I decided to quit my job go to school um, full time to get my license. And then I just started um, working. And I came to St. Pete to work at the Zio Skin Center when I found out that they were opening. I didn't know if I was going to get uh, hired or not. I just applied and I moved here and I waited, gosh, probably two or three months waiting for them to build out the spa and to even let me know if I was hired or not. Mm -hmm. um, and I was so broke. I couldn't even afford to go out and like get a beer or order food out. I was so broke. I'm like, listen, like I got to know if I'm hired here or not. I finally got hired and that kind of started my aesthetic work here in the, this area. Oh my gosh. What a <laughs> I know. Okay. I have so many questions for you, Shay. <laughs> I know it's a lot of information. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I don't even know where to start my brain. Okay. Honestly, I, I wanted you to come on here and talk about this because I'm so big on, I mean, obviously like rules and policies and regulations and doing things by the book when it comes to, you know, your license and your client safety and, and things like that. I mean, I remember when I had my studio spa um, so this is like a very, very small example of other more horrible things that I've heard, but like, um, this woman came in with her daughter, her 15 year old daughter to get a full set of lashes and it, they were acting kind of weird. And I was like, what is going on? She laid down on the table. I'm taping her eyes. And I'm like, wait, all of your eyelashes are like the same length, like all like nubs. And she was like, the mom was like, well, I wanted to give her eyelash extensions for her birthday. So I watched a YouTube video on how to do it. Oh. And I did it myself and I put too much glue or something. <gasps> All of her oh, no. eyelashes got stuck together. And so we had to wait until they were long enough for me to be able to cut all the glue out. And so th her daughter was like in physical pain with swollen eyelids for like, <gasps> oh my gosh, until there was enough space for her mom to take these safety scissors and cut all that the should be like child endangerment. Child endangerment. I know. And I was like, oh my gosh, where did you learn how to like, did what? you, have you ever been licensed? Like, do you know how to do eyelash extension? She was like, well, no, I just looked on YouTube. I thought it was easy. 
Are you? Yeah, and that glue is no joke. If you don't know what you're doing, it can cause serious damage. She used gorilla glue. I know. I mean, I, I yeah. don't know. Use like a professional grade adhesive because, like most places, I think you have to. At least the places that I work with, if I rec- I mean, it's been a long time since I bought anything, but I think that you have to put in, like make an account and put in your license number and everything to even be able oh, to yeah. buy a lot of those professional adhesives. So I'm like, what, what are you using? <laughs> like what in the world? And that's just, like I said, a very small story compared to what I've heard with people doing these treatments unlicensed and unregulated and uneducated. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. We've seen some crazy stuff. I mean you know, it's just people are so, some people, you just see a lot of greed in this industry. You see a lot of like burn and turn. They want them in and out. They don't want to take the proper cleaning measures to ensure safety and sanitation. They don't want to spend the money on even something as small as barbicide. So they're using like, you know, just alcohol or bleach or water or nothing or nothing. Mm. Um, not sanitizing their implements properly. And it's just, it's really causes so much damage. It can cause like the crazy staph infection, MRSA. People are losing limbs if they're going and getting infected, you know, getting a pedicure. And, you know, I've seen just people's skin on their face from bad wax, from dirty wax, people double dipping, getting staph on their eyebrow and like almost going blind. I mean, it's really serious. And I think that people think like, oh, what's it if I just, you know, do a little waxing out of my house. But when someone gets a serious infection because you're not trained properly, it's, it's can be life altering. So it's, it's a serious matter. Yeah. Isn't that why you did your two-year bid in prison for doing that same <laughs> shit? <laughs> yeah, doing facials on the DL on the black market. <laughs> you know, you did your two years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's calling now, you out. The internet believes everything they hear. Let me clarify. I have never been to prison. I've never done any services unlicensed. Like, That's how they really met y'all. <laughs> he was my PO. <laughs> uh-huh. And he gets jokes. Listeners. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, um, well, the thing that I was going to say is that the thing I was going to say is that, you know, as estheticians, cosmetologists, barbers, whoever, we go through these very intensive sections in our training that are all about sanitation, disease control, understanding how like the magnitude behind keeping everything sanitary, disinfected, sterilized, you know, all of that. And the average person doesn't have that training. And so- they don't understand like, okay, there are still germs in the the pedicure tub. All right. Um, I'm just going to do a pedicure on this other person. Oh, I accidentally like clipped their nail too short. And now they're bleeding. They put their foot back in. By the way, I didn't realize that all these little germs can now swim inside of their foot and into their bloodstream and you know, all of these things. Oh, and oh, yeah. um, because like, yeah, have you taken any kind of like sanitation or disinfection classes like that? Like, hell no. Okay, see? <laughs> yeah. Wow, really? That could happen? But that's because he hasn't had that training. And so I, I do understand that for, um, you know, the average person, they may be like, well, I don't see the big deal because they, again, haven't had the training that we have had. But it's like, okay, there is a reason why these services require licenses. 
and are regulated. And, you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to school for 1200 hours for kicks and giggles. No, there's a legitimate reason why you're putting in all of this time to be qualified to do these services, to keep people safe while you're doing these services. Right. Right. Even, you know, things as small as how to do a proper extraction can cause a lot of damage, you know, and these things that people think just intuitively they know, unfortunately, it's not just intuition. You have to have the proper training and, and there's a lot more information out there that, that can save lives and that can save, you know, your butt in the long run, even being on the other side, you know, you can get your license taken away and you can get in big time trouble. So yeah, there's, it's definitely a huge important role of why we're licensed. Yeah. I think that, you know, so many people assume, you know, if, if you watch somebody do it on YouTube, if you've watched enough yes. videos, then you're an expert, right? Yes. But they, what you see on YouTube, that's just like, what is that? Two-dimensional? Um, and so you're not seeing the amount of pressure. You're not seeing like the whole, the consultation process beforehand. You're not seeing, I mean, there's so much that you're not understanding with how to utilize the implements, how to move your hands, how to gauge what the skin is going through, the amount of trauma. I mean, all of this. And so it's so, it drives me nuts when it drives me nuts when I see like these free trainings just on YouTube, because it's not just that. Um, you know, I understand that people want to put stuff on YouTube and that's really beneficial to train professionals or students, you know, who are looking for more resources, but you can't guarantee that only licensed professionals and students are going to come across that. And so anybody exactly. can find it and decide, Oh, like this is a legit trainer, like a legit person who has a license. So if they're doing it this way, I'm going to do it exactly the same way that I'm perceiving. And then I should be fine. But that isn't the case. No. And like even things like, you know, high frequency and microcurrent and, you know, these things have serious contraindications that if you're not aware of and you don't know to ask the right questions. I mean, if you have a pregnant client or someone who has a heart defect or someone that suffers from epileptic seizures, you can trigger some serious, serious damage. And so if you don't know and you're not trained to ask these specific questions, then yeah, it's not just using this tool on your face and how to use it. It's can you even use it on this person without causing them serious, you know, health issues. And that's so important or allergies even, mm. you know, oh you need God. to know what questions to ask. And that's what they teach you in school. And it is the rise of social media. And all of a sudden, I think everyone thinks they're a skin expert. And I love the enthusiasm that people have about their skin because it really is like this new trend that has been around forever. But now it's like all of a sudden everyone is so into it because we're always in front of a camera or a video camera. Mm -hmm. But now everyone thinks they know everything. And if you're not properly trained, like it's not the University of YouTube or Instagram, like that's not going to cut it. You have to get your license to really understand and know what what information you're soliciting. It's super important. And I see it all the time. Preach. Seriously. (laughs) Like I, I cannot agree with you enough. I mean, just how important it is to make sure that you are getting the proper legal education before you take part in these things, before you expose somebody else to, you know, you with a tool in your hand, like make sure that you are licensed, that you're trained by, 
in a, like a proper way, you know, not just like you said, the university of Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not what this is people. Um, yeah, we, um, we talk a lot with aesthetic schools and aesthetic students. We do a lot of trainings with them and we, we tell them, and we mentioned you, I mean, we don't say your name, but we like, we're like, we have a friend who used to work in for the state licensing department and she would go and bust these people. And we're like, listen, do you really think that it's worth it? You know, right now you're in school and you're finishing your hours, but you're not quite done. And you're like, well, I've all, all I'm doing is like spa floor hours. Now I have all my education. So it's fine if I want to charge this person for a treatment at my house. Uh, no, it's not because you nope. put your license in jeopardy. You're going to get kicked out of school. You're going to be told that you can't go back and guess what? Your school is not going to refund you, refund you that tuition. That's not happening. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, you're just ruining your whole future. Just wait for another 200 hours or however much time and then do it legally without having to worry about it. My gosh. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've sat in on board meetings where people that we've busted have to now answer to the board of cosmetology and the board of construction and the board of veterinarians. I've sat in on those meetings. And let me tell you what, they're not soft about it. They take it very, very seriously. And these men and women who sit on the board have, you know, the weight on the world on their shoulders to protect the community. And they do not take unlicensed activity. Or even if you are licensed, if you're licensed, they're even harder on you because you know better mm-hmm. and you're willing and knowingly putting the community in danger by not following, you know, proper care and the law. It's the law. <laughs> it's Florida statute and whatever state you're in, it's in the statute. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Is it, um, are the people that usually get caught and you're in those board meeting, board meetings, are they even like really sorry? Or is it just like a, like, dang, I got caught. I think that when they get a cease and desist from us in the mail, they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And some people, I think it depends on the person. Of course, I'd like, if I got a cease and desist, I think it would really shake me and I would stop. Um, But, you know, there's some people that unless they're caught, caught, they're going to keep doing it. Um, And so when they go in front of the board, I think that it does scare them because they know, you know, there's, and they, I mean, they go on probation. They have to do like X amount of, you know, continuing education. It's like going to your, you know, like a parole meeting or something. I mean, they, they really are strict and they set some serious guidelines. So, yeah, hey, I'm so around. happy to hear that. Um, yeah. One thing that you said, you were talking about how they're actually usually harder on people who are licensed. And I think that that's really important to bring up because you know, as licensed professionals, like once we've gone through aesthetic school and everything, there are so many different advanced education courses out there. Like maybe your school doesn't teach speed waxing or your school doesn't teach microblading or eyelash extensions or something else. And so there are a ton of people in the industry who may be licensed, who are offering these advanced training courses, but you have to be diligent in researching these people and making sure that you are getting legit great education because I mean, I, I had a friend who, um, he was a part owner in a medical spa and they were in a board meeting. Um, and, or I don't know if it's a board meeting, but like a meeting with the, all the owners. And they got a call during the meeting that one of the estheticians who, um, was doing eyelash extensions and she had her master aesthetics license. She was a certified eyelash tech um, a client came in and asked for her eyelashes to the extensions to be removed. 
the girl realized that in her training, nobody ever taught her how to remove them. She was like, Oh, but we use acetone to get the adhesive off the jade stones. She poured acetone on this woman's (gasps) eyes and blinded her. (gasps) Oh my gosh. That is terrible. Terrible, right? Fully licensed, had been through a training, had a certification in hand. But like, seriously, you have to make sure that who you are going to for these advanced trainings are real legit trainers. They can't leave any stones unturned or anything like that. And it just, oh my gosh, it just devastated me because I'm sure this girl just was like, oh, this is a good price. Like I'm going to go to this trainer. You know, you get what you pay for. Well, like do your research. Oh my God. Yeah. And and I think, you know, when you walk in somewhere, you know, I think we've all been there either, whether it's getting your hair cut or your nails done or getting what you know, you get a feeling when you look around and, and you have every right to look around, to ask to see their logs. You know, you can walk into your, your nail studio and say, I want to see the logs of you cleaning out your pedicure chair and they have to keep them and they have to show you. And so you have every right as a paying customer to ask for these things and, and just use, you know, your eyes and take a look, look around when, you know, when you're getting dressed, just see like how clean are things like look at the sheets, like little things that people just skip on doing that are just so important, but they want to, you know, speed it up and get more clients. So mm-hmm. not wiping everything down properly and yeah, reusing tools that they are, you know, are really one-time use things. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh. I remember like maybe the second time we ever got pedicures together, we went back to the aesthetic school where I had taught before and um, oh, Royal, oh, Royal was so embarrassed because we sat down and, and I mean, they weren't my students. I didn't know any of these people, um, but we sat down and she put me in my chair and the, the bowl was dirty and the pedicure bowl. And I was like, Hey, this, you know, this bowl needs to be cleaned. And Royal was like, Oh my gosh, like, what are you I, doing? I still remember their names. Oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember oh, that. My. But I'm like, I'll never forget. I've been there and I'm like, okay, first of all, you're a student. So I don't know if you're going to cut me somehow on accident, you know, or whatever. And I'm also a licensed aesthetics instructor. And so it is my duty to let you know, like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't sanitary. Like you need to step up your standards. Right. And I, I feel like I was nice about it, but I wasn't like, Oh, Hey, would it be cool if you like cleaned your bowl for me? I was like, Hey, this bowl's dirty. You need to clean it first. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think working for the state and being an investigator just opened my eyes to like the other side, you know, as a customer, you're seeing one side Mm -hmm. and as a service provider, like there's a whole nother side to it. And so being an investigator, I got to see the other side of it. So it really strengthened my, um, you know, my work ethic and what I provide my clients, because like, I just, it's like, almost like I know too much, you know, I've seen like what can happen. So it's made me hyper, you know, aware of being clean and sanitary. And and some of the things, you know, yes, they teach you very diligently in school, but just to see it face on and deal with those things, like is a huge advantage as well. And like, it's just experience, like as a service provider, you get the experience and you you know, learn what to do and what not to do, some things that they do and do not teach you in school. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just experience too, for sure. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, one thing that we also tell our student estheticians is not to feel pressured to cut corners um, when other estheticians that like you go and get your first job and they're 
estheticians working there who've been in the industry for years and they're cutting corners on their sanitation or on their yeah. protocols or things like stand up, set your boundaries. Do not be afraid to be like, Hey, no, actually I am going to soak my implements for the full 10 minutes or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Um, because that can get intimidating when you're the, the little fish in the pond and, um, you see the, the lead, you know, treatment provider or whoever kind of cutting those corners, you've got to just don't worry about her. Let her do what she wants to do. And you do what you know you need to do. You yeah. protect yourself, your license, right. and your clients. Yeah. And your clients will appreciate it. And so will, you know, whoever you're working for, mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll all come out in the end for sure. Yeah. Do you feel like since having that experience on your resume that, that do you feel like that helped you get jobs? Um, like people were like, Oh, this is great. Or did you ever interview with somebody who was like, Oh, you did that. Mm. Like, yeah. mm. I don't know if you're the girl for us. <laughs> oh, you know, I don't think that I could totally see that happening. Um, but I'm really particular about places that I've applied to. And so I think that the places that I've applied to have appreciated it. Um, if they even really understood what it meant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's almost like a little insurance for them, but they know that I, I really know the ins and outs of like the laws and the statutes and what you can and cannot do. Um, so I think it's always made my employers feel more comfortable for sure. Yeah, Good. As it should. yeah. And I, I don't, I didn't ask that question because I could imagine you going to some like a shady spot, you know, trying to apply for a job. But I was just curious in general, if everybody saw that as the benefit as I would, I would think that they would, you know? Sure. But I could totally see how some wouldn't and how they would be like, Ooh, you know, maybe I am cutting corners myself as the owner and she knows better. Whereas like, you know, someone that doesn't have that experience wouldn't know and is she going to call me out or not? Am I going to actually lose money? Because, you know, I could totally mm-hmm. see that for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but yeah, I have not experienced that okay. yet. <laughs> good, good. Um, but Royal, do you have any, I don't know. I just feel like with you being a police officer, like what, what are your thoughts on going undercover and busting people? I think it's dangerous as hell. I know. I, it is. Yeah. I'm assuming you didn't have a weapon. No, no weapon. Yeah. We many times, I mean, I should, you know, in most cases, there was no real threat. I I can probably count on one hand in the, I think I worked there for maybe, gosh, I can't even remember, maybe two years. I don't even know if it was that long. Um, I can probably count on one hand where I really felt uncomfortable. And that was more so cases um, where we would unexpectedly go into barbershops and you'd have people take one look at you and bolt out the back door. They'd go running or they would just be so standoffish. And it's most of the time just you and maybe one other investigator in a closed space in their space, in their barbershop or their, you know, wherever they're working out of. And, you know, it is very intimidating because here you are coming up and telling them that what they're doing is wrong and you don't know if they have weapons or if you know what their intentions were and you know there's there was only a few times where I was like oh boy and you know I like to do my due diligence and really you know we really delve into who these people are and what we're up against and so we can see you know their rap sheet and you know get their their priors and uh, yeah there was one guy he wasn't in the cosmetic industry he was in the construction but he had, oh my gosh, pages and pages and pages of arrest. And 
he was a bad guy. I mean, he was really bad. And we called in um, some of the city guys to come just kind of back us up a little bit. Right. So yeah, it's definitely intimidating and it is dangerous. I think that um, there should, you just don't know people when they're threatened, when you threaten their livelihood, oh, people, yeah. you really see a different side of them. Um, as a police officer, you probably know that all too well. When you take away people's money or, you know, whether it be drug dealing or whatever it may be, when you take it away, whether it's legal or not, it's a huge threat to their ego, their, you know, everything. And they get, they get dangerous. They can get dangerous. Yeah. Because it's like, to, uh, to me, drug dealing is stupid, but I will say it's not stupid if that's what you have to do to feed your family. Cause if mm -hmm. that's what I had to do to make sure Melissa has a roof over her head, that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. right. So if somebody comes in my place or by whatever and tries to take, not only tries to take away from me, tries to take it away from my wife and my house or whatever. Oh, we fight. It's going down. Right. So, so it's, Hey man. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I totally understand. I, I, yeah, I get it. And it's a lot of times that is the case for these people. They are doing this because they don't have the money to go to school. They don't have the time to take off and not make money to go to school and to get licensed. I mean, for a cosmetologist, it's really, you know, it's just paying for the school and then taking your test. But, you know, for construction workers, you have to go, you know, I mean, it's cost hundreds and thousands of dollars to get, you know, insured and all that. So it's costly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, to be a general contractor, at least in California, you have to have worked for four years under somebody else. I mean, it's, it's time. It's like amazing. a serious commitment. And so, I mean, you can get this little quick money on the slide real quick, pay no taxes, mm -hmm. get all right. You know no overhead. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. People, people are doing their hustle and everything, but when you're involving other people, um, like, especially, you know, if you're building somebody's house, you don't want that collapsing on them, but like, especially in the beauty industry where you could blind somebody, you could cause somebody to lose a limb. You oh, could yeah, cause somebody sure. to you know, have a heart attack. Like there are all kinds of things that could happen if you are doing these services unlicensed, unregulated, untrained. And um, you can't, what you do affects other people and you have to realize that. It's not just about you. You're putting other people in danger as well. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Thank you for being here and talking about that Wait, because, oh, go. Real quick. I want to jump back for a second. You needed to take algebra to get a. You, you oh, didn't. You, to you didn't need that. to take algebra to get a criminal justice degree. <laughs> so what had happened was when I was in ninth grade, we had high school. We had algebra, college algebra, one A and one B, like a pre-algebra prep for college. So your ninth grade year, you took algebra one A. Your sophomore year, you took algebra one B. Mm -hmm. Well, I moved schools. So I went to 10th grade at a different, in a different city, in a different school that in their curriculum, they just did college algebra all in ninth grade. Oh. So essentially I missed half of a year of college, of that pre-algebra. Gotcha. They let me graduate without ever having to fulfill that again, without having to go back and take that class over. So when I got into college, I was you know, essentially, I only knew half of what they were talking about, which, which in math, you're not going to get very far with that. Right. So 
I will freshman year, I was just, you know, definitely not focused and maybe even sophomore year in college. Um, but then I would, you know, get tutors and I saw my grades slipping. And after two years of not passing, I'm like, okay, I have to take this seriously. And my brain could just not catch on. And it's a shame because I really loved math, um, but I was so defeated. So in uh, criminal justice, you did not have to take college algebra. You had to take um, like arithmetic, basically. I don't know if they called it arithmetic, but that's basically what it was. So it was like, you know, what is the probability of choosing, you know, you know, the, you know, that kind of thing. Gotcha. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It was... <laughs> I suck at math and I, I did it, everything I could to dodge that through college. So I majored, yeah. in, fashion, I majored in fashion design. Cool. And so I went to community college and then I realized in that career, you need money to make money. So I was like, you know, what? my brother's a police officer. He's seven years older than me. And uh, fuck it. I'm going to go for that. And so yeah. right, right before I pretty much would have actually got my degree, I got hired at 21. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, for me. So I went to college. So in high school, I did two years of working at a bank. Um, I did an internship at a bank and I loved it. And then, um, so when I went to college, I thought that I was going to be majoring in like finance or something like that, become a financial planner. And, um, I could not get algebra one, like college algebra. I could not get it. And, um, the first semester that I took it, uh, the, the professor was from Beijing and he had a very, very thick accent, super nice guy. I really, really liked him. Yeah. Very thick accent. And it wasn't until like the week before our final that I realized that when he was saying why you, what he meant was value. And I was like, Oh my my gosh. Yeah. This whole class, not understanding anything. And so (sighs) then, um, so I got like a, I think I barely passed. I got like a D or a C minus. I think I got a C minus. That was not good enough to get into this business school or finance program. So I retook it the next year and I made sure that I took, I took it from an instructor who had an American name just for not you know, just for language, right? right. right? And um, I went to every study hall, everything. And I took my C minus to a C. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I was just like, are you kidding me? So I went and I saw the, um, the counselor about it. And she's like, yeah, no, you're never going to get into our program with a C in, in this, um, in this class. And uh, then she was looking at my, she was looking at all my stuff and she was like, why did you even enroll in this class? Because your ACT score was high enough that you didn't even need this one. You should have just gone straight to calculus. Oh my God. I had messed up my GPA, had basically prevented myself from being able to get into this program because one person, like when I initially signed up for my courses in college, the counselor wasn't like, oh, hey, your, your ACT score is high enough. So I, I was like, stop trying. You're not going to get into this program basically is what she told me. So I ended up majoring in theater with an emphasis in makeup and costume design, which makeup led me to skincare. And now here we are. But yeah, math was my downfall too. <laughs> did you guys actually have a, like, you guys really talk to your counselors? I did. Yeah, uh, barely. I mean, I talked to her maybe like three times. That's my, how many times I did. Counselor, I think. My counselor found me and told me I was on probation. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> 
Oh my God. You must have, well, I went to UCF. It was like the second largest university in the nation at the time. So okay. there was, you, you better go to them because they do not have the time or the energy to look through, you know, however many oh. tens of thousands of kids are running around that campus. <laughs> that is funny. They have their eye on you. Yeah, they're like, okay, wait a second. This Royal Ellis. Cause I'm getting out. I'm doing financial aid, but I pay it back and then fell in classes and so then dropping a weed. I go get it to it. I'm going to have a case against me. I'm glad that oh you glad you've left that crazy life my lord my goodness gracious okay um so in the last little bit I really would love for you to talk about Zio sure <laughs> like semi-selfish reasons um but also so many of our um our estheticians and the students we work with they ask me what skincare lines I would recommend and I have only I, I've worked very very closely with Glymed Plus um, and I had my own studio. And so of course I had to use a line that an esthetician could use on her own. Right. Right. So I worked with Glymed Plus on my own and that's what I was trained with in school. But I'd also, I've also worked with PCA, um, and then um, image and skin medica. So skin medica is like the only, um, you know, like doctor, I don't know how to call it. Like a cosmeceutical grade. Yeah. Yeah. But where you had to have a doctor on staff to be able to use it. And as much as I love Glymed, I feel like, you know, there are so many other lines out there. And I've noticed that as I'm aging extremely rapidly since I turned 30, (laughs) that um, I need stronger skincare. And of course, ZO, I think, is one that a lot of people have been like, oh my gosh, I'm so interested in ZO when it does get mentioned. So I'd love for you to talk about it since you're an expert. Sure. So I discovered ZO probably about four and a half, five years, well, probably four, four years ago. Um, and I didn't know anything about it. I just graduated school. Um, you know, we were using a brand that, you know, I've never even heard of. I couldn't even tell you what the brand was to like practice on in school. Yeah. Um, and so I always knew in school, I wanted to work at a med spa. And so I, when I was living in Gainesville, where I got my license, I remember calling um, the woman that owned the spa that I worked in throughout high school and college. And I said, listen, you know, do you have any opportunities down there in Orlando for me? Cause I'm willing to move. I want to work at a med spa. And she's like, you know what, let me get you in touch with the ZO rep. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know what that is. I don't know, you know what's going on. So anyway, I got in touch with the ZO rep at the time. And she's like, listen, we're going to open a ZO skin center in St. Petersburg. And you should definitely apply, but you need to know what you're doing first. So I would travel down to um, like Orlando and St. Pete, basically before I moved down there to try and educate myself and get together with the educator. And basically ZO, what it is, is it's Dr. Obagi's skin um, health theory, and it's a skin health circle. And it basically is reducing, you know, every one of the products reduces inflammation, it hydrates, provides antioxidants, it stimulates the cell. So all works on a very like science backed, um, you know, doctor recommended theory of skin health. Um, and so everything is real deal. There's, you know, prescription strength products in this line. Um, and it all works as a system. So the theory is that basically you have to get your skin ready. Um, some people just want to jump right into using retinol and I'm, or, you know, glycolic. And I'm like, 
well, first of all, what are you washing your skin with? How is your skin being prepped for this? So his big thing is you want to get your skin ready by just doing three simple steps, cleansing, toning, uh, cleansing, exfoliating, and toning. And that kind of clears your canvas off for your treatment products. So then he has a whole line of treatment products, um, a whole line of hydrators, and a whole line of protective products like sun protection. So everything works as a system um, in a unique way of delivering those products into the skin. Um, and that's what I love so much about this is that, you know, when you're not working with cosmeceutical grade products, unfortunately, it's just, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad or not doing anything for the skin, but the delivery system that ZO uses ensures those active ingredients that you're paying a lot of money for are really getting down to the skin and you're getting the most out of that percentage of that ingredient, you know, with every use. Whereas, you know, I just see so many things like at Sephora that say retinol or even at CVS that say retinol, but it's like by the time that retinol gets onto the skin and, and activated, it's, you're getting such a small amount and, and these products over the counter are still not cheap. And that's what drives me crazy. Like if you're going to still pay a hundred dollars for a cream at Sephora that has retinol in it, what's the delivery system if it's not prescription strength? Because if it's not, you know, activating properly, then it's not going to do much for the skin. So ZO really uses active ingredients and delivery systems that ensure that that retinol or that glycolic or that benzoyl peroxide is going to work at the maximum level in your skin and you're going to get every dime that you paid for. So I just see really huge results in my skin. Um, I am not one to sell something that I don't believe in. I've worked at a day spa where I, you know, I, I loved it there, but the products I was like, Oh God, I just can't get behind these. I just don't really believe in them. So selling wasn't my strong point. But working with ZO, I've seen such a huge change in my skin and my client's skin that it, it works on a scientific level that is beyond anything over the counter. And it's beyond any other medical grade skincare line that I've worked with. I've also worked with some really high end names and I, I just have not seen the results that ZO yields. So I'm really proud and happy to work with them. I believe in Dr. Obaji's vision. I believe that you have to heal disease first before doing the next step, before doing this step. And I believe in prepping the skin and getting it ready before peels and not just slapping acid on your face. Like you have, there's a certain systematic way that he has come up with in his, you know, gosh, however many years he's been in this industry. And he's truly just the world's best leading dermatologist. And I'm so excited to be working with his line. And I really, quite frankly, as of now, I won't work for a spa that doesn't carry it. I just really am so loyal to the brand. Wow. Whoa. That's amazing. Um, okay. First, I have to tell you that I'm a little bit jealous because because, you know, I don't do treatments anymore. And, um, my first job out of aesthetic, out of aesthetic school was at a medical spa. And that is my love. Like I love serious results oriented treatments. Um, I, uh, I had such a fabulous experience there. The only thing was that they, they used image skincare products. 
Mm-hmm. That was the line that they carried. And I would tell my manager and I was just fresh out of aesthetic school. And the line I, I worked with skin medica and climate plus at um, my aesthetic school. And so I would tell my manager all the time, I'm like, y'all need to start using skin medica because that's what I knew. And I, I recognized that it was so much more effective than something like image, which image was great. I mean, the products smell good, but you, you don't want to use something because it smells good. You want something that right. is glean serious results in your skin. And so, um, I was there for less than a year. Um, and right after I left, they started using skin medica and I was like, oh my gosh, I would have been selling the shiz out of this stuff. If y'all had brought one, you know, the whole time I was there, I was begging you to. Um, and then I never worked at a medical spa again because I, I went back to Salt Lake and to finish my degree and I opened my studio. And of course I'm not a doctor. So I did peels there, um, but I was limited in what I could use. So I used Glymed Plus and PCA peels. And, um, and then I, I really just worked on my own ever since then. So, but I'm so in love with the medical side and the, I mean, just those intense active products and ingredients and helping you get those amazing results. And um, I think especially like now, as, like I said, I am over 30. Um, I'm like, I have not been doing myself any favors. Um, I think Glymet Plus was really great when I was in my twenties. And for people who aren't serious about making changes in their skin, um, I think it's a great line for people who are just getting started in new skincare routines and everything like that. Yes. Start with something like that. Like Royal is just getting started into his skincare routine. Climate Plus is perfect for him at this point. With, you know? do- with Dove soap. Yeah. No Dove soap. But anyways, so. <laughs> oh, no. So I Did just. You, you want to know something crazy that I also really love about Zio is that Dr. Obaji does not believe in moisturizing your skin. I want to so talk like to in- about that. Yeah. yeah. So there's no hyaluronic acid, you know, hyaluronic acid, hyaluronic acid. Well, the molecule is so big that it actually is impossible for it to penetrate down into the, you know, lower areas of the epidermis. And so now of course they're coming out with like different types of delivery systems for it, but so many people want to, you know, rave about hyaluronic acid, but it really just sits on top of your skin. And Dr. Obaji's big on not moisturizing. He says it's like waxing a raincoat. You don't need to moisturize your skin. What you need to do is use retinols and stimulating products and ingredients to help wake up those cells that create hyaluronic acid on their own. It's like we have the the ability to create hydration from within, but what happens is we use moisturizers because that's what we're taught by our moms and our grandmas and school and everyone to use moisturizers. But what it does is it just masks the problem it sends the signal down to our cells that create hydration on their own to stop they're like oh we got moisturizer up here we're cool you don't need to work so our cells become lazy and don't produce hydration on their own so i'll tell you i haven't used a moisturizer in three years and i'm so hydrated from within my skin's glowing my cell turnover is on point and so it's that's also like a big thing of his line that is just very very unique to him Okay. To I, I'm obsessed with this. Um, I don't know if you, if you were on during our live with, um, Ashley, um, she's a medical esthetician up in, um, Palo Alto. Palo Alto. She's yes. Yep. So she was the one who was telling me and you, you were on, you were like, Oh my gosh, Zio is great. I was like, okay, I got to talk to Shay about this. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but 
So she, um, you know, she was talking about a little bit about the same concept of not needing the moisturizers, the external moisturizers. And I had mentioned for the listeners who didn't hear this, I had mentioned that when I was in high school, I had super, super, um, what was, I had like super, super oily hair. And so I, but so I was washing my hair all the time, washing, 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 washing. And then I read somewhere that if you stop washing your hair, that, um, your body will stop like overproducing oils because you don't need all of that, you know, it's not combating the shampoo anymore. So I had like ultra greasy hair for like two weeks. And now I only wash my hair like once a week. Um, but so this is like the same concept, just the reverse side of it. Right. Like if if your skin, if you're telling your skin, Hey, I've got the, I've got the moisture covered for you. You don't need to worry about it. Then yeah, it makes sense that those cells would be like, okay, cool. I'll just go to sleep. Like, right. Yeah. And then you're just like chasing the dragon, (laughs) you know, you're just like trying to get it fixed and it's not going to fix itself. That way you're making the problem worse. You're becoming addicted to moisturizers. Yeah. Okay. So three years, no moisturizer. Um, and your skin feels great. You don't feel dehydrated. You don't feel dry, no flakiness, nothing like that. No, I mean, he still has products that hydrate the skin, um, but by using different things, like he has a really wonderful product called exfoliation accelerator. It uses some glycolic acid and it just really helps to reduce inflammation, but to hydrate the skin, um, kind of, you know, assist with cell turnover. So you just get still a really nice hydrated feel, Mm -hmm. um, but without that traditional waxy kind of, you know, moisturizer coating your skin. Oh my gosh. My mind is like, (sighs) my mind is retinols. Retinols do the same thing. Retinols helps, you know, wake up those cells and stimulate your own Um, HA. So, so retinol, I love, 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 love. Um, the, I have been using the Glymed plus retinol for like years. Right. And it's, it's very, very mild. Um, so I remember just recently, um, I was on Instagram and I came across it's Emily Keller Rockwell NP. Um, I'll link her info, but she's like a big nurse practitioner who uses a lot of ZO. And she had this post about her skin. She had like a big red like line around her, um, on her neck and her decollete. And it was from the retinol. And she was like, okay, this is normal. This is to be expected. Like you have to let your skin acclimate to it. You can't be putting on all these, like these moisturizers or, um, stop the, the treatment as soon as it starts getting hard on your skin and sensitive and then starting again, because you're never allowing yourself to just get all the way through it. And that was such an interesting concept to me because I had always been taught um, through school and through, you know, reps and everything that have them use the retinol. But then if it starts, if they start getting irritated, then cut back, you know, go from three days a week to just one day a week or go, you you know, kind of into it. So I was like amazed by this concept, but it totally makes sense. Yeah. And now there's products, you know, I usually, you know, you can always tell which clients need a little more handholding than others. Some people are like, let's do this. I want to fry my face off. I'm all in. Some people are like, I do not want to flake. I'm on TV or I'm in front of people all the time. And so there's different ways to go about it. You know, some people do need to be kind of eased on to, I say, you know, start using it two to two to three times a week, but the goal is to use it more, not less. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now they have a really wonderful product called Rafisa, which is a prescription strength tretinoid and uh, tretinoin, I should say. And it 
is an emollient. So the delivery system provides the same amount of that active um, 0.05% tretinoin, Mm -hmm. Um, but in a delivery system that's not as irritating, you kind of skip through that inflammatory um, response with it. So that's a really wonderful product to get clients on who do not want to feel any type of reaction. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. So, but there's just, yeah, different, different retinols and different retinols. Dr. Bashi, who is a Zio doctor, he just had an awesome live uh, video on Zio Skin Health on Tuesday, deciphering the difference between, um, you know, tretinoin and retinol and retinoids, because it is confusing. It's confusing even for me still. Um, And it's very scientific. So he really did a great job at deciphering, you know, what is what and the different delivery systems um, and how they work. So I would definitely suggest going to his page um, or the ZO page and finding him and finding that live. Cause it was awesome. Okay. Sure. We'll definitely link all that information in the, um, in the show notes. And that was Dr. Bashi, you said? Yes. Okay. Dr. Bashi who works with Dr. Obaji. Yeah. I believe he works at, um, a skin center there in California. Okay. okay. Perfect. Um, but this is fantastic information. Yeah. I am like, oh my gosh. We're going to have to talk after we're done recording a little bit more, Um, but we're coming up on the hour and Shay, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this fantastic information. I mean, your skincare knowledge, as well as the experience that you had working for the state of Florida and the depth of understanding you have in the importance of the safety, the laws, the regulations, and really driving that home for our listeners. I think that 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 information is invaluable. So thank you for sharing it with us today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, We love to ask all of our guests what boundaries, balance, health, and safety mean to them. Would you dive into that just a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I wrote them down. So I'm just going to kind of read off of this a little bit. Um, So I love this, by the way. These are great. And actually... Um, all of these points um, kind of directly flow back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs in one way or another. And so all of these can kind of be rooted back to like the essential things that we need. Um, so I love this. So um, we'll start with boundaries. So um, I, boundaries is definitely something I've struggled with personally in my past. I grew up as an only child. Um, and, you know, so I was always like wanting to make friends and, you know, it kind of like poured over into my professional life and my adult life as well, kind of becoming, um, a bit of a loner, a bit of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. So I, over the years, you know, have definitely strengthened my boundaries. Um, and so what I've learned is that boundaries definitely equal self-respect and esteem. And to create boundaries and stick to them just shows how much self-love and respect that you have for yourself and for the people that you care about or work with. Mm -hmm. Um, It it provides the parameters for others to coexist with you in a way that is positive and respectful. Um, It definitely helps to avoid, you know, issues in the future with people that you work with or that your partner's with, um, you know, or friends and family. Um, so balance, uh, this is definitely something I'm always preaching to friends and family. I find this so, so important. Um, it's just like one of the laws of the universe is balance. And, um, I believe that there's light and dark in all things and in all of us and to embrace both and to find the balance is very important. 
Um, I always kind of look at balance as like the butterfly effect. When something's not in balance, it can definitely affect you or people around you. Um, something so small um, can definitely, you know, break down that balance. So I find it very, very important. Um, let's see. Health. So I think health is, I think most people think of physical health when they think of health, but it's definitely, um, you know, people focus on the physical, but they neglect the spiritual and emotional health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone's out here trying to expand their, you know, ass, but they're not trying to expand their, you know, spiritual self or their mental health. And so I think that it all works out together. Um, if you are not, you know, respecting your mind and your emotions, then how can you really respect your body? And it shows. So I think all of them go hand in hand. Um, you know, we are a unit of working parts. And so each one of those parts needs love and compassion and respect and nurturing. And I think that truly is health. And that ties back to balance and boundaries mm -hmm. um, that you have to create within yourself. Um, and then safety, I love this one because it's one of the most selfish and selfless things that you can do is to create a safe space for yourself and others. Um, it's a natural instinct for every living being is the need to feel safe. When we do, we flourish. Um, safety can truly be even a perception. You could be living on the streets in the most unsafe environment, but if you feel safe and you create a safe space, your nervous system will know that. So it's just a very, very important thing. You could be living in a mansion with bodyguards and not feel safe and, you know, have detrimental side effects of that. So safety is a really huge role in our lives. And I think that it's one of those things, again, it's on the hierarchy of needs. And it's like, a, it's like one of the main things that people just need, humans need to live a healthy life. So, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I had someone break into my house a couple weeks ago, and I didn't care about any of the material things that were taken or destroyed. My sense of safety was taken away from me. And that was really, that really affected me. I mean, it really affected me. So I think that, you know, men and women on our front lines, um, and overseas, you know, police officers and, you know, firefighters and people in our military, it's like, they, they're literally risking their safety to ensure ours and when you know they don't have that you can really see how it affects you know them when they come back or how it affects people in the homes after they're off duty like it's a huge thing to feel safe so kind of my little spiel <laughs> um that was awesome yeah first of all are, are you okay yeah. like would they were you home when they broke into your house I mean what no, I wasn't home. It was like at 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, I didn't have, my dog was with me, thank goodness. And they just broke in through my bedroom window and like kind of like ransacked my house. They really didn't take much. They took a box that had my passport in it, which was just a pain in the ass because then I had to go and, you know, do all that. Mm -hmm. um, and then they took like a small bag, like a small purse. So, I mean, really in the big scheme of things, I got, you know, out pretty safe, but I, they kind of stole my peace of mind. I mean, for a good two weeks, I was like ultra paranoid when I wasn't home. I was ultra paranoid when I was home. I went out and bought a gun. I had slept with a knife by my bed. You know, I couldn't sleep for days. So yeah. that's what really it affected was my like mental state. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm, I mean, that is just like so awful, but I'm so grateful that you were not in the house. Exactly. That nobody that, you know, nobody was there. So this person was able to, you know, just go do his thing, whatever it was, or her thing, whatever it was they were trying to do without just affecting just you material. personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were looking for like cash or drugs or guns. Like they were looking for, and honestly, I just think like kids are out of school. I live near a high school. There's a lot of kids in this neighborhood. I think it was just a kid who was bored and maybe they were with some friends. They're like, Hey man, you know, their car is not home. Go do this. And yeah, you know, I mean, I had some stuff they could have really stolen, but they didn't. It was kind of weird. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I'm just glad that you are okay, but yeah, having somebody in your space like violating. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, but I hope that, you know, have, we're, we're a gun-friendly family. I think that should be obvious. <laughs> Royal Vega yeah. place be big from Texas, but, um, but yeah, we always, we feel so much better having those in our home because we can, you know, we sleep with them by our beds, our beds. We have one bed. We sleep with them by our bed and, um, yeah. and it just gives us so much peace of mind to have that. So I hope absolutely. Yeah. Um, I am crazy about everything you said. Thank you so much for being so prepared with your answers yes. for this question. Because, oh. um, you know, we ask them because they, they matter so much to us, like the boundaries, the balance, the health and safety, not only does it help you have a much better career within this industry, but a much better life in general. And that's why we focus on those things within this podcast. But I loved, um, so many of the things that you said, but one that I wrote down was how you were talking about how um, your nervous system is affected by your sense of safety. And it, I think that's so important to realize, like it, it runs so deep where it's not just like a psychological, like, oh, am I safe? Am I not? Like I'm nervous. I'm having nightmares, but your body is actually affected by whether or not you're feeling like you're in a safe place. And that's yeah. why it's so... I feel like it's so important to um, not be afraid just for fear's sake. And if you are, if you are prepared and if you've thought it out and you're like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do if there's a fire at my studio, or I know exactly what I'm going to do if um, my car drives off of a bridge or, you know, whatever it is, um, or if somebody approaches me, um, then you, you don't have to be afraid all the time because you have a plan. And then I think it also helps you recognize like when you need to turn those emotions on, because if, um, like for example, the best one I can think of is cars because I have, I have like kind of fears with driving, but, um, but like, for example, I, I've been in some serious car accidents since moving to California. And so I have some issues around driving here specifically, but what I've had to realize is that, I mean, I was getting in my car like nervous every time I would drive and yeah. for no reason. And yeah. I, I realized that unless the other vehicle is giving me a reason to be scared, I don't need to be carrying this with me. And right. so now I just, because it really was, it was affecting how I felt. It was affecting, um, you know, my relationship to some extent. I mean, it was just like, it was really causing a lot of problems, like emotionally, physically, everything. And so now it's like, okay, I, I know what I'm going to do if something happens, but I don't need to worry about it until something happens. So right. if this car is just switching lanes, they're just switching lanes. That doesn't mean they're trying to hit me or anything like that. Like it's fine. Um, so I know that was kind of a long way to, 
come back to my point of, I really, really agree with what you said. And so it's very important to, um, help yourself feel secure where you are and make sure that you're doing what you need to do to feel secure where you are, because it's deeper than just your safety. Your health is affected by this as well. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. On a cellular level, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, thank you again so much for being here. Where can people find you? How can they get more Shay in their lives? Sure. So, um, I'm really big. Like I really like Instagram over really any other kind of thing right now. So, um, they can find me at my Instagram, which is champagne underscore and underscore lidocaine. And, um, I mean, it's nothing fancy, but that's just kind of how I roll. You know, it's just raw. It's me. There's no fancy, pretty backgrounds. Like it's just me in my kitchen talking about skincare. My dog pops up every now and then. Like, I'm just like, I try to keep it real. And so, um, you can follow me on there. I talk a lot about, um, ZO, but also just kind of like what makes me happy and balanced and feeling good from the inside out. So it's more than just skincare that I talk about. It's kind of, um, just my lifestyle and the things that I believe in and, you know, all of that does lead to a beautiful complexion. So awesome. Awesome. I love it. So we will link, um, that information into our episode notes so that all of you listeners can follow Shay, learn more from her. Once again, thank you so much for being here. You are a gem. Thank you guys. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. It was awesome.